Well, good morning, Higher Vision. So good to see all of you here. My, if you're a guest, my name is Jared Mang, and that was my son with me on stage a little bit ago. And we've been in a, a series called The Family Portrait. And you might think it's a little strange that we're showing family portraits with cracks and, and splinters and all of that. But you know what we've realized is in our culture, you know what, sometimes the family, we send out these Christmas cards or these family portraits that look so perfect, but every one of them have a filter and they have Photoshop and they make it look better than it really is. We follow on Instagram and we see everyone's highlight reel, but we don't see what gets left on the cutting room floor. And what's awesome is in the Bible, we see all kinds of stories of the family and they're without the filters and without the Photoshop. We get to see all the imperfections and how that God is able even to do his work in the midst of our dysfunction. Anybody here ever have a little dysfunction going on at home in a relationship? All right. So we're going to talk about that. But before we dive in, first of all, I want to just say a big welcome to all of the other church family that aren't sitting here. They're sitting in homes like Salt Lake City, Czech Republic, Sweden, Los Angeles, Miami. Can we welcome all of our online campus, all of our church family that's right there on the other side of that screen? We're so excited that you join us each and every week. It's, it's really great. You know, coming up in a couple weeks is our women's conference, Wonder. And I want to tell you, if you are a woman, you have got to get there. It is not very expensive to go. Go to higherevision.church, see some of the women's leaders. I don't know if they have a table in the back. Go back and get registered. And we have also a really cheap um, price for your, your children, your daughters to come. And so go on there and register. It's going to be amazing. You know, Wendy Perez, some of you may be familiar with Judah Smith, who travels and speaks. Well, that's his sister. So she's grown up in ministry. She's a phenomenal speaker. Benny Perez was our speaker at the well last year. And I've heard that she preaches better than he does. <laughs> so uh, he'll, he'll tell you the same thing. So make sure you get registered. It's a Friday night, Saturday during the day, and then go Saturday night and Sunday morning. You don't want to miss it. So make sure you get signed up. We really would love to have you be a part. It's going to be amazing. You know, what I want to do today is I want to jump right into the message. We're going to continue. Um, on the family portrait, and we're going to read in Psalm chapter 127. Before we go there, let me show you, actually go back guys to that picture of my family. I brought a family portrait this week. This is another one, and this is one that we took right before we moved to Valencia 11 years ago. We were thinking about feeling like God had called us to plant a church, and so we took some pictures that we were going to put in the brochure, and these were those pictures. Look at my son Hudson, the difference. Isn't it amazing what 11 years will do? He was cute, wasn't he? He still is, right? Come on. And then we got the rest of the family. We've all changed a little bit over time. But you know what? Even though as a family right there, there's the Photoshop and the filters. Listen, we have cracks and flaws. Um, we're growing and we're trying to become what God has called us to be. And if you're here and you've struggled at all, this series is for you. I had someone tell me before the last service, they said, you know, Pastor, I was about to give up on my family. And uh, this series has given me the hope to believe that God can change it. How many know that God can change it? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Those of you joining us online, you can do the same. We're going to go to Psalm 127. 127 verse 1. And I want everyone to read this with me out loud. Those of you joining us online as well. This is our theme verse that we've been reading together. Here we go. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Here's the deal. The word build doesn't just mean to build something new. It means to rebuild, to remake. So if you feel like your kids are grown or you feel like you're, you've already got the home going and it's too late for you, listen, God can not only do something new, 
he can remake something old and turn it into something new. And if he's a part of the process, I'm going to tell you, you'll be blessed. So let's close our eyes together. Holy Spirit, we welcome you today. We are so desperately in need of you. We need you. So I ask that you would touch us today. I pray that somehow I would get out of the way and that we would really see you and that you would speak boldly and loudly in this room. That we would walk out of this room or turn off the computer knowing that we've had an encounter with God. As Pastor Wayman said, Lord, we wait expectantly for the thing that you want to do in our lives. So speak to us. Say that with me. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated today. Thank you. We've also been using the verse, Psalm 24, verse 3. And it says this, if you read in Psalm 24, verse 3, um, we'll read together Psalm 24, verse 3, um, as we go to Psalm 24, verse, there we go, hallelujah, technology still works. Well, that's not the right one, it's the next one, Psalm 24, verse 3, there we go, amen. Here's what it says, it says, through wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. In other words, God wants to establish your home. And the word establish means this in the, in the Hebrew. It means to, to stand up erect. So God wants you to, to reach your potential, and it means to stabilize. So God wants to make your home stable. He wants to make it strong. He wants you to reach your potential. But the way that's going to happen is through wisdom, through understanding. And the word understanding in the Hebrew, it gives us some good insight. It means to distinguish intellectually. So, for instance, if you have a piece of furniture you bring home from Ikea, if you're not smart, you'll just pull it out of the box and start building it. But if you have understanding, here's what you do. You spread out all the pieces and you count them, right? Because I've built one before and was short one screw or one bolt. Isn't that frustrating? And it's not perfect. It's not as strong as it could be. So you pull out the directions you lay out the parts, you distinguish it intellectually so that you can build it strong. And that's what we've been doing over the last two weeks. This is our third week. We're taking God's Word, we're taking some families without the filters and without the Photoshop, and we're learning some principles to know how to build our homes strong. Two weeks ago, my son Tanner preached with me. Last week, Macy preached with me. Did they both do a good job for, for young kids, right? I mean, it was amazing. And we were going to have Haley, my my uh, second oldest daughter, she was going to be here and speak in this service with me. But this week she had a tough week uh, physically and was at urgent care and was sick throughout the week. So she's not going to speak with me this weekend. So we brought Hudson up this weekend to do a little something. And we're going to continue this series one more week. And le next week Haley will be speaking with me. So let's dive in to the passage we're going to look at. We've looked at Abraham and Sarah. We've looked at Isaac and Rebecca. And this week we're going to take a look at the son, Jacob, and his wives, Leah and Rachel. Let me give you some context. Jacob, his name means deceiver. We learned last week that he deceived his father to get the blessing. Remember that? And so it's interesting now, Jacob has left home because Esau wants to kill him. There was all kinds of dysfunction. We won't go into that. You can, you can go online and watch the past sermons and catch up if you want to. But what we find is that Jacob falls in love with this woman named Rachel. His, his uncle Laban, he's gone back there. His daughter Rachel is there. He falls in love with her. So he goes to Laban. He says, uncle, I have fallen in love with your daughter. I'd like to marry her. 
What do I need to do? Well, he didn't have any money and couldn't pay a dowry. So Laban said, here's what you're going to do. If you'll work for me for seven years, at the end of seven years, you can have Rachel. So he works for seven years. At the end of seven years, his wedding day has come. He's all excited. And uh, he walks into the wedding tent. And um, in comes, uh, you know, this woman. And she has the face covering over her. And it's in a tent. And it's dark. And they have their wedding night. He wakes up the next morning and removes the face covering. And it's not Rachel. It's her sister, Leah. Everybody ever went, what? Right? He's like, what just happened? He gets up and he runs out to his uncle and he said, he's furious. You deceived me. Isn't it interesting that the deceiver got deceived? We learned a couple weeks ago, right, that you reap what you sow, you reap more than what you sow, and you reap later than what you sow. And so the deceiver now is reaping because of the dysfunction and the things he's passed down. And let me just say, we're going to talk next week about the, the passing down of generational things. We're going to dive into that with the sons, with Joseph and his brothers and all of that next week. So he gets deceived. He goes to Laban. He says, you tricked me. And Laban said, hey, here's the deal. He backpedals and does his lawyer thing. He says, listen, in our, in our area, it is the custom that you can't marry off the younger daughter without marrying the older one. So you have to have Leah if you want Rachel. And here's the deal. If you'll work for me for seven more years, you can have Rachel. And at the end of this week, the end of the customary week of the wedding, Rachel can become your wife and then work seven more years. And so he becomes deceived and he marries both of these women and he slept with Leah, he slept with Rachel. And now all of this civil, I mean, all of this rivalry begins to happen. There's all of these issues and all these problems that develop. Leah, she ends up having four children, and Leah, um, you know, is being blessed in that way. Rachel isn't able to have children, and now I want you to see what happens. Genesis chapter 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, from Jake, or for Jacob, she became, what's the next word? What's the next word? Jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, give me children or I will die. Then Jacob becomes furious with Rachel. Am I God? He asked. He's the one who has kept you from having children. Now, before we read that next verse, let me just say, Leah has several children. And then we find out that Rachel, through her servant, has children. And then Leah has more children. We're going to get into all of that. And all of this crazy stuff happens. And later on, one day, when when Leah hasn't been able to be with her husband Jacob in a long time, her son brings home these beautiful flowers, and, and Rachel wants the beautiful flowers. And so she, Leah comes, and, and Rachel says, Leah says, listen, if you want these flowers, then you need to let me be with my husband Jacob. And so that's where we pick up on the story. And it says, but Leah angrily replied, wasn't it enough that you stole my husband? Now will you steal my son's mandrakes? I tell you what, you read this story and what do you just feel like? Dysfunction, right? Jerry Springer, right? How many know what I'm talking about? But you know what, before we're too quick to judge this family that has put this filter of jealousy and all of this stuff into their life, I want to say that sometimes you and I can end up having the same filter. We've learned some things like hashtag don't take matters into your own hands or hashtag play in the blame game. I want to give you this week's big idea. You ready? We're going to learn a filter that we need to take out of our lives. Here's what it is. Hashtag I still get jealous. Come on, I had the spirit of Nick Jonas come on me right there. 
Anybody heard Jonas' song, I Still Get Jealous? Let me see your hand if you know that song. Right? How many of you have no clue what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. I, I had someone come up to me between services and say, you know what, Pastor Jared, I used to respect you, but now that I know you listen to Nick Jonas, come on, what's going on? Just went down a whole level right there. Nick sings, I still get jealous. And you know what? The reality is that's a filter. I get jealous. Now, most of us, when we hear that, we immediately go, well, I'm not jealous. You know, when we go to a party, me and my husband or my wife, you know, I'm not worried if she talks to someone. I'm not hovering over them or my boyfriend. or my. I'm not jealous like that. But here's what we need to understand about jealousy. The word jealousy in the Old Testament there is a Hebrew word, and here's what it means. It means to be zealous with envy. And envy means to want what someone else has. So before we disqualify ourselves, I need you to know something, that many of us are just like Leah and Rachel, because here's what happened in the story with Leah and Rachel. Leah wanted what Rachel had, because Rachel was loved by Jacob. She had a loving relationship with her husband, and Leah was living in a relationship that didn't have much love. So she was jealous. She wanted. She was, had envy. I want what she has. If I could just be loved like him, and when she would have children, she would name them like, now I will be loved. So she was envious of what someone else had. Rachel was the same way. Rachel was like, well, I'm loved. I have a great you know, relationship, but I have no kids, and I'm going to have no one inherit the blessings, and so I want what she has. And we had a bride war. There was a movie out called Bride Wars. And, and let me just tell you, if you ever saw that movie, that's a sequel because the first one was here in Genesis. And what happens is Rachel finally goes, you know, I want what you want. And since I can't have kids, I'm going to have my husband Jacob, our husband Jacob, sleep with my servant, and then I'll have kids through him. Haven't we heard of this story somewhere? I mean, hasn't the same thing happened already? And she carries that on, and she has a child through the servant, and here's what she names him, Dan. And the word Dan in the Hebrew means judged. And here's what she said, now God has judged, and I came out on top. And then she had another child through her servant, and she named him Naphtali. And that means wrestled. And here's what she said, I have wrestled with my sister, and I have won. You see the dysfunction now that's coming because of envy? And then Leah, Leah goes, well, I'm not having kids anymore. And she's having kids through her servant, so she gets her servant and gives it to Jacob. And she sleep with my servant, and then she has, a, has some children through her, and she names him Asher which means happy. And she says, what joy is mine, now the other women will celebrate me. The point I'm making is all of this dysfunction begins to develop because of the filter of envy, of wanting what someone else wants. Jealousy was in their life. They didn't realize what was really going on. And because of it, there was all kinds of problems. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about jealousy. I want to talk about envy. And I want to give us some things to see to help us understand what to avoid, what to do, and what not to do. Let me tell you something about jealousy. Here's the first thing. Jealousy will steal your joy. Jealousy? Jealousy. I did that in another service. Jealousy will steal your joy. You know what I learned about jealousy? Here's, Here's a great way to explain it. Jealousy is like bad breath. Because when you have it, everyone else knows except you. (laughs) Have you ever seen that? People are jealous or they have envy and everybody can read it. They can see it. And here's the thing, we all do it too. Just 
just watch your little children. If you have, you know, toddlers and, and you have a friend come over for a play date, right? And they walk into the toy room and your child goes over to the toy you just bought them, starts to play with it. But then the little boy with the play date, he goes over and grabs a toy that your child hasn't played with in a year and doesn't care anything about. And as soon as they pick up that toy and your child sees them playing with that toy, suddenly they go, I don't want this toy. That one's mine. And now they want one somebody else wants. And we think that we're, we're excluded from that, but think about the last time your neighbor bought a new car. And now you're going, man, that car is so nice. It has that new car smell. And the leather seats, it's got the heat warmers, man, it, it parks itself. You can see when you're going backwards, it's got a camera. I've been driving this junk. Suddenly, you don't even think your car is any good anymore. What am I talking about? Why? Because you begin to want what someone else once. And what's dangerous is this begins to happen in all of our lives. Maybe for you it's like you're, you're going along and things seem okay, then suddenly you notice, man, my neighbors have a great marriage, and gosh, we don't ever go on a date, and how come they're always going out to parties and having a good time, and why am I stuck with someone like this? Why? We go to church, and yet they have a better relationship than we do, and we start seeing everybody else and what they have, and gosh, how come he got the promotion? I've been here for 10 years, and they've only been here for 6 years, and now look, he's getting promoted, and I'm stuck in this stupid cubicle and here's the reality we all get caught in envy and here's the thing about envy and jealousy it steals your joy can I make a statement someone else's victory is not your defeat someone else's victory is not your defeat just because someone else has been blessed doesn't mean that you have a reason to be unhappy to be unsatisfied. You see, as we talk about envy and jealousy, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that, that is very interesting because it has to do with this idea of learning contentment and joy because jealousy and envy will rob your joy. We see it in the story of Leah and Rachel. Let's take a look in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 8 says, Always be full of what? God wants you to be filled with joy. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything then you will experience God's what? Peace. It goes on to explain the peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And now, look what it says, fix your thoughts. You need to underline that. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, worthy of praise. In other words, what's interesting is this. Is that, listen, God wants you and I to be filled with joy. He wants you to be full of joy. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to have peace that goes beyond understanding. When everybody else is freaking out and everybody else is worried and everybody else is wondering, well, how come I don't have that house or how come we didn't get in that neighborhood? How come my kid didn't get that scholarship? And we're all frustrated and we've lost our joy. Here's what the Lord wants you to know is that, that you can have a different experience in life. You don't have to live with that filter, but here's the key. You've got to fix your thoughts. And here's what the phrase fix your thoughts means in the Greek. It means this. It means to do an inventory. Take an inventory. So in other words, rather than just letting ourselves go down the road of, gosh, I wish I had that, or gosh, why do they have that? Instead, we stop and take a moment to say, what am I thinking? 
And what do I have? Wait a minute, their victory is not my defeat. I'm going to focus, I'm going to put my attention on something else. Because if you're focused on others' blessings rather than your own, you'll feed discontentment and the enemy will steal your joy. Do you realize that's what happened with Leah? Her fourth child, she named him Judah. And you know what it means? Praise the Lord. So she's blessed, she's happy, praise God. But then suddenly, Rachel, her servant, has a child. She starts focusing on that. And the next thing she knows, instead of fixing her thoughts on what is good and pure and just and holy and, and, and thankful for what God has done, she began to look at someone else and the enemy stole her joy. Let me say it this way. Envy is the art of counting another's blessings instead of your own. Envy is the, the art of counting another's blessings instead of your own. Rather than, here's what the scripture says. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 says, consider what God has done. So take inventory. Stop and go, wait a minute, God. I know I don't have a brand new car, but you know what? This car, it's been great. I paid it off. We don't have a car payment. I'm able to do cool things. Yes, it's, it's not the newest and latest, but man, I've been blessed. I remember when you gave me the, the raise to get this car. God, thank you for what you've given me. Consider. Take inventory. Fix your thoughts. Consider what God has done. When times are good, be happy. Don't worry. Thank you very much. Be happy. Consider what God has done. When times are good, be happy. When times are bad, consider God has made the one just as he has made the other. God wants you to be full of joy, but envy, jealousy, getting your focus on the wrong things, rather than taking account for what he's done, will cause discontentment, it'll rob your peace, it'll rob your joy. In fact, let me show you something else. kind of ties into this. It's the same passage in Philippians. It's really interesting to see this passage in this context. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 then goes on to say, now remember, they just talked about being full of joy, right, having peace, talked about the fact that we need to fix our thoughts on good things, and then it says this, for I have learned to be what? Content. That's what joy is. You're content. Whatever the circumstances, I've learned to be the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whenever well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now look at this. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ, through Him who gives me strength. Maybe you never knew that that verse was connected to your ability, my ability, to walk in the contentment. Here's what the word contentment means. Let me just show you something. The word content in the Greek, it means this. It means the karate kid. Wax on. Wax off. Because the word content means this. It means to raise the barrier and to ward off. You see, the scripture says in John 10, 10, the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants to take your joy. He wants to take your contentment. He wants you to live with the best, highest potential of your family. He doesn't want you to be stable. But here's the good news. God said you can do all things, and I've given you the power to ward off, to have contentment when the enemy tries to steal your joy. And I would say that the reason many times that we don't ward off the enemy and push him back and we let the enemy steal our joy is because we've allowed ourselves allowed ourselves to be people who start looking at the wrong things 
often we become unhappy with what God has given us. Jealousy. Say amen. Anybody learning anything? You know, it reminds me of a story. Um, we uh, decided to do something with the family, and it was on Valentine's Day, and so we said, this, this is the deal, guys. No one's going anywhere. You're not hanging out with your friends. We're going to have a family night. You're going to come home from school. You're going to put on a sweatshirt. We're going to get in the car, and we're going to do something as a family. Like, well, what are we doing? Where are we going? Why? 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 Everybody else hangs out with their friends. How could we have? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? All of our friends, just because they came up here and preached doesn't mean they're perfect. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> so they come home, they get in the car, we take off, and they're like, where are we going? We could be with our friends right now. We could be having fun. Everybody else is going out with their friends on Valentine's. I said, guys, stop it. Listen, we're having a family night. We're going to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. That's stupid. We're like, well, too bad, you're going. So we, we, get, we start driving, we're like, this is going to be a great night, family night. we got season passes, we're going to Disneyland. We get over the hill, we get down around the 210, we hit traffic. And they're like, oh, it's going to take us forever to get to Disneyland. We're not going to go to Disneyland, we just go, let's go back, let's go back home. And so I look at my phone, and my phone says, you know, hour and ten minutes. I'm like, guys, we'll be there, it won't be that long, come on, let's go have some fun. Three and a half hours later... Not lying, not over-exaggerating. May I say, am I telling the truth? Three. How many of you know sometimes you just got to make lemonade? <laughs> so on the way, we're like, you know, we're going to make this fun. We're going to turn this into a memory. And so literally, it was start, stop, start, stop. So there was this one time we started singing songs. We started telling jokes. And, and it turned from, oh, I'm getting a stomachache. Why are we? It turned and we were laughing. Devet was having fun. She got crazy. We're sitting in traffic. She opens the moonroof stand and screaming and the kids are laughing and we just have a great time we get to Disneyland we're making lemonade we can't find a parking spot in the in the dry, you know the area where you park so we go to the overflow one we can't find a spot there and, and we go to the uh, to the downtown Disney parking lot we can't find a spot there and we go to the overflowing park and at the very back at the farthest spot that you could possibly have in the history of the world we find a spot so we're like, okay, it's okay, we're making lemonade, we're making lemonade. And so we, we get to downtown Disney, and we're walking up to the area where you jump on the tram, and you, you, know, you go into Disneyland, and we all come running up, you know, happy, woo, we made it, making lemonade. And Hudson runs up, and he puts his pass, and he goes, eh. We're like, that was weird. The guy says, oh, don't worry, do it again. Eh. And he goes, huh, let me see that. So we're standing, we're looking, he grabs his pass, and he says, oh, I'm sorry, sir, but... You have a season pass that doesn't work on holidays, and this is considered a holiday. Have you ever went, what? Come on, how many of you what? Here's the crazy thing. You know what we did? We all started laughing. We laughed, and we laughed, and we thought, you know what, that's all right. Let's go to Rain Tree Forest Cafe for dinner. Yeah. So we go over to Rain Tree Forest Cafe. I put my name in. I'm like, how long will it be? They said it'll be two and a half hours. <laughs> so we go to the Blue Bayou, right? So we go to Blue Bayou. Hey, we'd like to get a reservation. Sure, it's a two-hour wait. Every restaurant. So we end up on Valentine's Day at a cart on the side of the road <laughs> with the family four hours later. 
having, I don't even, some nasty hot dogs or something. I don't know. <laughs> we never make it into Disneyland. We end up going to a movie. And honestly, if you talk to our kids, it was one of the best Valentine's Days we've ever had. And here's why. I don't know why you want to clap, but yeah, that's fine if you want to clap. <laughs> you just feel our pain, don't you? Feel our pain. Because we didn't look at what we didn't have. We looked at what we did. Fix your thoughts. If God could just get us, could, could just help us to shift our thinking and fix our thoughts, could it be that instead of always being unhappy, jealous, envious of everybody else, we'd be full of joy? Jealousy will steal your joy. Can I give you the last thought? How many let me give you the last thought? All right, good. Thank you. I'm glad because I didn't want to quit. All right. Secondly, jealousy will turn you into a weapon and steal your blessings. Jealousy will turn you into a weapon and steal your blessings. Now, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm going to explain it to you. There's a passage of Scripture that I love. It's found in Isaiah 54, verse 17. Here's what it says. No, what's this word? No weapon formed against you, God's children, servants of the Lord, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. This is a promise God has given. So no weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue which rises up against you in judgment you shall condemn. Then it goes on to say, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. In other words, if you're a servant of the Lord, if you're a follower of Christ, you have an inheritance. And that inheritance is, is that when weapons are formed at you, when weapons are pointed at you, and here's the cool thing, it's not just a weapon that's pointed at you, it's every weapon formed. So the, literally the mold that's being made to create the gun. It's the, the idea that the enemy has co concocted to destroy your family. So it's not just the pointing of the arrow or the pointing of the gun. It's the whole process. Whatever has been formed against you, the Bible says, it will not prosper now here's the thing when we allow envy into our heart it usually comes out of our heart because out of the heart the mouth speaks reminds me of a story of pastor jack hayford we were having lunch together and he told me this story about some friends of his who were pastors of large churches and ministries around the country he said that one of the men that were there they were sitting there and and they began to talk about one of the pastors started talking about another pastor who had a large ministry and kind of bad-mouthing them. Another pastor jumped on and started doing the same. And this pastor was like, I agree. I don't like the way they do it. And he started to say something. And as soon as he did, the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and said, Go ahead if you want to be a weapon. But let me tell you, if you do, if you become a weapon, I just want you to know, you will not prosper. And begin to realize how many times have you and I, when we think about what others have before long, we're talking about, well, you know, they, they don't really work that hard. And, and I work way harder than they do. And I even saw them leave early when they're supposed to. And I've seen them take home some stuff from their desk. And we start talking. And now here's the thing. Not only are we not being filled with joy anymore, now we've become the weapon. And here's the thing. When we become the weapon, we become a tool of the enemy. And not only that, we've positioned ourselves where we're never going to prosper. We're never going to be happy. We're never going to be blessed. I know some of you, you're like, 
you're pushing the envelope on this, Pastor Jared. That's a little bit of a stretch. Well, let's look at something. Maybe you've never seen this verse. This one should really make us come alive and, and, and stand at attention. James chapter 3, verse 15 through 16 says, For what? Come on, say it. What is this word? So for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. We've said wisdom is how the house is built. So if we've allowed envy into our life, we put the wrong filter into our family. It's not God's wisdom. Such things, what? Jealousy. Such things are earthy, unspiritual, and demonic. Holy guacamole. Let's go on to the next verse. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Holy guacamole. You know, there's a story about, um, it's, it's a historical event of the war that took place between the, the city of Troy and the, and the Greek, Greek army. What happened was, is after 10 years of fighting, the Greeks had demolished and destroyed everything around the city of Troy, but Troy had these big walls, and they couldn't get over the walls, so Troy kept defending and protecting itself, and it was a stalemate. So finally, a guy by the name of Odysseus came up with this idea, and, and Odysseus said, here's what we'll do. We'll act like that we're going to just leave and say it's a draw, and we'll go and we'll hide in a cove with our army. But we'll build this big, huge, beautiful horse as like a peace offering. But what they won't know is that we'll put soldiers inside the horse. And if they receive the peace offering and bring it into the city, then our soldiers will sneak out, open the gates, and we can overtake the city. So that's what they did. They looked like they had fled and left, retreated. And the soldiers stayed inside the horse, and after a few days... The city of Troy opened its gates, pulled in the Trojan horse, closed the gates, and in the middle of the night, the soldiers came out, opened the gates, the Greek army came in and plundered and destroyed the city of Troy. What is the Trojan horse the enemy has been using in your family? Could it be envy? We justify it. Maybe we've become a weapon in the hands of the enemy and we've positioned ourselves to not prosper. I want to tell you, here's the beautiful thing. When we say, I'm not going to be that, I'm going to repent of that, and I'm going to focus and fix my thoughts on the Lord. Here's what it says, I can do all things through Christ now I've moved from being the weapon and never prospering. Now, not only am I in a position now to be prosperous, but I'm in a position where God is watching over me. He's put walls around the city of my heart, of my relationships, of my home. Jealousy will steal your joy. Jealousy will make you a weapon and rob your blessings. But aren't you glad that God said you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you?